been all of that. Wagwan people, you're listening to Last Stop on the D. Thank you and subscribe now for bonus material. Later, big up yourself. Perfect. Big up, nah, big up. Check my check my check my check. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Hello, welcome back, listeners. How y'all doing? It's your boy B Flacco, aka Brandon, aka Basquiat in Brooklyn, aka that podcaster you thought you knew. Um, I am here with my favorite co-host, Kamal. Hey G Armok, aka the last dragon. Kamal, how y'all doing? And today we got a very, very special guest. Ryan Richardson, thank you so much for being here today. Hello. Hey, hey. Thank you for having me, y'all. I'm good. How are you doing? Good. You're doing very good. We're doing very good. Um, yeah, so I am sitting in my one bedroom penthouse in Brooklyn. Where are you located right now? I am also located in Brooklyn in my brownstone. Nice. Come on, what about you? Where I'm are you sitting today? In Brooklyn, in my apartment. It's not as illustrious as a penthouse or a brownstone, just an apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Word, Brooklyn gang, what up, what up, what up? Shout out to all my listeners right now from New York. Shout out to my Boston listeners too, because I'm not even from Brooklyn, but it's nice here. Um, yeah, so today I have brought this wonderful, beautiful, special, important, intelligent guest to you all today because I think she's really cool. I think all of my guests are really cool though ryan is really fucking cool ryan's really really fucking cool for a lot of reasons which i'm gonna let her tell you in a minute but yeah ryan's done a lot of different things ryan is um just also really young like i don't know how a person can do so many jobs and only be like like 30 years old you're really young you're extremely young i have done none of the things and i'm older than you so you're 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 amazing but yeah um ryan's really cool because she's among many other things she's founded tech startups won a beauty pageant won several beauty pageants and she's become a professional speaker all before the age of 30 and that's just really really dope um so first off we're gonna kick it off to you ryan um our first question um from the from the viewers is what is the hardest job out of all of the things that you've done so far Mm. Oh, the hardest. Okay, so we should we should list the jobs, right, for, for context. So, yes, um, please. I am. Uh, you mentioned a professional speaker. Yes, keynote speaker. Went out on tour for God knows how many months. Never saw my house. I'm a tech executive, turned founder, turned back executive. So my life has been driven by like building startup companies, like some of them big things like Uber. Some of them startups you never heard of. Um, Frankly, the ones you never heard of are probably harder than the big ones you have um, before. And then I'm also Miss Black America um, and do a lot of work uh, in activism and advocacy 
political activism, kind of community activism, sit on the boards of a couple of nonprofits that are doing important things in the world regarding like voter registration, mobilization for um, underrepresented people, and then also like environmental justice on behalf of um, historically marginalized communities. So those are the jobs. Um, wow. the, har <laughs> the hardest, uh, well, really the hardest job of them all is staying sane. Um, while weaving in between them all. And I actually, I started to say that as a joke, but that might actually be the answer. The hardest job for me is balancing all of those things, um, not just in like doing the work um, and showing up, but like really figuring out how to navigate my own um, personal brand that spans so many things. Like they all make sense to me because they're all inspired by, you know, my own passions and interests and what I want to see in the world. Um, but to people outside of my crazy brain, they don't seem like they go together. So then the additional job for me as like a, a marketer and a brand builder is to build my own brand and to be able to message um, to the greater world how all these things work together and, and make sense in a single person. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm doing a good job at it, <laughs> looking wow. at your faces right now. No, you are. You're just blowing our minds because it's just like there's just so much in there to like unpack. It's crazy. Um, yeah, for our listeners who don't, um, who haven't had a chance to Google Ryan Richardson yet, um, yeah, tell us. Let's let's dive in a little bit on that. What's a, what? What was your favorite place as a tech tech executive? I can't even um, say the word. That's how. You know what? The most fun job that I had in tech was at Uber. Um, and that's like, I'm conflicted anytime anyone asks me about my time at Uber or what was the most fun in my career um, because I got to Uber at a time when it was like a rocket ship. It was absolutely still a startup, um, but it was a startup that had raised a crap ton of money. Um, so we were well-financed uh, in big markets uh, and in tech circles. Everyone knew what we were doing, but there was still so much building to do right like there mm -hmm. were markets across the country that didn't have uber and like didn't understand the fundamental concept of like push a button and get a car so when i was like talking to you know folks in the vc space they were really excited about what i was doing and when i was talking to you know people on the ground in some of my markets like little rock arkansas you know they're like uh, uh, uber uh, uh, what oh shit. that was a really disparaging accent i'm sorry little rock that was not intentional <laughs> But the point was, you know, I, I, we were building something. I got to build something that was still completely brand new in so many places around the country and around the world. Um, and I got to do it from, you know, my seat on this rocket ship that everyone knew was just going to take off. It was going to be the biggest thing ever. At that point, it was like the fastest growing startup in U.S. history. Um, and that was really exciting. It was really great work I got to do. Um, and I got to go incredible places and really stretch myself um, to to do things and build things that were like outside of what I would have considered my capabilities when I first started the job. Um, and it was awesome. Well, the work was awesome. The company, less so. And I think most people know about kind of like the struggles that Uber faced from a cultural standpoint and from a diversity and inclusion standpoint. Um, for you know many of its early years, and I was there in some of those early years before you know the shit hit the fan in 2017. 
Right. So that's And then what happened briefly for the listeners who don't know what happened to Uber in 2017? All right. In 2017, oh God, where do I start? 2017 started in January of 2017. We started with the hashtag delete Uber campaign. Um, There was, Ah. if I recall, it was like a, there was like a taxi, um, taxi drivers in New York were striking at airports uh, and Uber is not a taxi company. So Uber drivers were still picking up um, riders. So that is initially what started this huge blow up, right? This sense that like Uber was undermining um, a strike, a labor strike effectively. Uh, And that's a really bad look. It became an even worse look when it was paired with the announcement that the then CEO of Uber, who was also the founder of the company, was joining um, newly inaugurated President Donald Trump's um, like commission on economic development or something. I don't even remember what the name of this committee uh, of business executives was, but like it was like you know, our CEO at Uber and a bunch of CEOs of other big companies too. I think the CEO of Disney was on it. Like we were not unique in this, but that combined with seemingly being opposed to um, labor, um, a a labor strike um, was a bad look. And then it got worse, right? That's just like January of the year. Then uh, over the next like four or five months, horrible things happened. Um, The biggest of which was probably um, this blog post that went viral from a former Uber engineer named Susan Fowler, who really laid bare like all the fuck shit (laughs) that was happening, all the sexism, all the misogyny, all of the harassment uh, and bad behavior um, that so many of us who are at the company knew about and felt. Like as a woman and as a black woman at Uber, I felt all the isms. Um, I caught all the microaggressions. I put my head down, just tried to work through it, um, power through it and did, you know, actually do work while I was there. Like I was one of the co-founders of what was at that point an employee-led diversity and inclusion task force. So like before the company was really resourcing DE&I work, before um, any of this blew up, before, uh, long before, you know, like the summer of 2020 when every company in America was like in a mad dash to do um, diversity and inclusion work uh, in their company because we were facing like a, a racial reckoning on a national level, we as employees, as like the black employees and largely black female employees of the company, as few of us as uh, there were, were really invested in trying to make the culture of the organization better. Um, We did not, we as a company did not make the kind of progress um, that we needed to make. And we as as a task force were not met with the kind of reception from senior leadership that we would have needed to, to be successful in that regard, you know, before shit hit the fan. And then, um, you know, the the tides of like public perception turned and negative PR hit the company hella hard. Um, and, you know, there's no greater kick in the ass than, you know, the potential of getting canceled, frankly, uh, for an organization. And, you know, yeah. a lot changed uh, at Uber since then. New CEO, uh-huh. many new members of the board, mostly mm-hmm. the executives from my time there mm-hmm. um, were ousted or asked mm-hmm. to leave or decided Life comes at you fast, right? to leave quickly. Yeah. 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 Right. And it came at Uber real quick. Tell us, uh, tell us real quick about your favorite professional speaking gig that you've had so far. Hmm. Um, oh, well, my favorite is my TED Talk. Duh. <laughs> Duh. Of course, everyone will say, yeah. You gave a TED yeah. Talk? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I forgot somehow at the end of it to say, and thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Um, which is like, I, you just like, you have one job when you do a TED Talk or in my case, a TEDx talk. And it is to weave in that joke. And I totally missed my opportunity. But um, I gave uh, a talk in, what was it, December of 2019, came out um, on TED's platforms in early 2020 um, about you know, beauty and power. And really I took kind of like a, a socio sociological or gave a sociological perspective on the relationship between beauty and power and wanted to make the argument um, that despite the conventional wisdom that calls like beauty really frivolous and frankly, you know, frowns upon women who lean into beauty and leverage beauty, you know, hello beauty queen right here. I know that statement really well, um, that because beauty is like this super sustainable, uh, and this is from a scientific perspective, this really sustainable and reliable vehicle for influence that is like one of the strongest tools for power that anyone can have. And because women get to leverage that power, um, like overwhelmingly, almost exclusively, that it's kind of like, um, you know, an act of feminist revolution in like a patriarchal society to really, or feminist rebellion rather, to really lean into beauty and use it for power. It's like, um, how can women, um, you know, game a patriarchal system? Mm. You know, use, uh, use the tools or use what you are at one point reduced to being nothing more than um, as a tool for power. Right, right. So yeah, TED Talk was awesome. It was my favorite, um, but I've gotten to talk to really great audiences and on cool stages, um, more places than I can count or remember at this point. And how long is your talk? How long is the video? It is 16 minutes. And according to Essence Magazine, I only know this because I was like literally updating my website today. According to Essence Magazine, it was <clears throat> the best 16 minutes you'll have this year. <laughs> right, exactly. So I'm telling the listeners right now, <laughs> put this on pause. Yeah, right. Uh, put this on pause and go check out that TED Talk right now. Right now. Right now. Yeah, I hope you love it. And if you don't, don't DM me about it. Don't. So, Ryan, going back to to your comments on Uber, you mentioned catching all the isms and like powering through. That mm -hmm. that definitely takes a lot of fortitude to do. What what mantra do you think you would have for Black women in tech who might also catch those same sorts of uh, situations? Oh, take up space, take up space, and I like mm -hmm. I wish I could act like that was like super top of mind. It just came off the top, rolled off the top of uh, my head, but it didn't. It was actually like a reflection over a long period like when i talked about experiencing all the isms and living and working in a corporate culture that was not like conducive to really was not conducive to my development my happiness uh, my overall fulfillment in my career but also was not conducive to like um you know me being a part of a community within that workplace i started to just put my head down and do the work and try to power through um and as a defense mechanism i started to shrink myself um and you know, y'all know me, I don't have a small personality. Like, uh, so for me, <laughs> for, me to be shrinking, <laughs> for me to be shrinking myself meant really betraying um, a large part of who I am. Um, but that experience of like shrinking yourself to survive in an environment where you are like uh, an extreme minority or you are a part of like a marginalized class is not like exclusive to me. That's not unique to me. So many of us do it in so many spaces where we're taught like 
we should just feel thankful that we're allowed to be there. Um, and we, you know, minimize ourselves as to not be like offensive to the overwhelming or the, the predominant like power structure. And the message then that I have, you know, coming out of my experience there um, and this reflection afterwards, you know, when I was able to get my head out of this and, you know, learn the lessons and, you know, take the vows to never do this or to do that differently um, when faced with similar challenges was um, take up space, like really boldly and audaciously because it's, um, you know, your responsibility. Once we have these opportunities in these spaces where we are so underrepresented, um, we know there's only gonna be room for more of us, right? There's only gonna be a world in which we are no longer underrepresented if we take up space, like literally bow out the space for others like us right. to come in and live, exist, work, show up as their whole selves. That's a good question. So that's amazing. Like you've done so you're like a superhero. You're basically like a black superhero because, oh, you know, Miss Black America as well. Like, you're basically a superhero. Like, um, superhero, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> take the listen. Take the listeners back. Take us back. Where Where are you from? How did Where do they create people like you? Where do they make Ryan? <laughs> How do they make Ryan's? I am from the D.C. area, more specifically Prince George's County, Maryland, PG County, pretty girl oh, County. Shout out, shout out, shout out. I do that. Like, I'm actually obligated to do that with the dance and everything every time I say I'm from PG County. PG County, ew. Um, so Prince George's County dance? is... <laughs> don't see... Now, it was, it was it was cute until... I feel like you make fun of me. All right. PG County, pretty girl county, ew. Um, <laughs> I wish you guys could see this right now. <laughs> um, so Prince George's County is like, if Howard is like the mecca for HBCUs, PG County is just like the mecca, or at least when I was growing up, was like the mecca for black communities. So Prince George's County uh, was, may still be actually, the uh, wealthiest predominantly black community in America. Um, and when I was growing up, what that meant was not like, you know, everybody was rich by any stretch of the imagination, but what it meant was I grew up in like this really unique black, like utopia, wherein I saw and was surrounded by at all times in like my formative years, um, so many diverse representations, um, of blackness and the black experience and black life. So yeah, there were, you know, black CEOs in the community, in the neighborhood, you know, I might've gone to school with their kids. There were also, you know, there's a strong black middle class um, in Prince George's County. And, you know, that's what I consider my family had a part of. That's what I grew up in. And then there's also, you know, poverty. You know, there there's black struggle in the community as well. But what was really important about that, that I realized much later in life was not um, typical, was that I got to see like the full scope and breadth of opportunity, you know, and representations of blackness. Whereas in so many other cities, I'll use Philadelphia as an example, because that's where I went to undergrad, um, spent a lot of time there, spent time, spent several years there after I graduated. So really got a strong sense of that community um, and consider it like a second home. Philly does not have that. Philly has far more of a stereotypical um, uh, representation of a black community, which is, you know, uh, black folks are largely segregated, like geographically, into certain pockets of the city, um, and uh, there's not the same kind of like black political and political 
political, social, and economic power in Philadelphia as I saw um, in Prince George's County. And there's certainly not the kind of black wealth um, in Philadelphia that I saw in uh, and was surrounded by growing up in the DC area, you know, mainly mm-hmm. PG County. Those differences of kind of environment when you are young and um, shaping your your view of self and also your worldview um, have a tremendous impact. I realize like so many of the things that I've been able to do in my life um, and the accomplishments are probably if I like really go back to the beginning are the product of just growing up in an environment where nothing ever taught me that I couldn't, right? There was there were no limitations on what this little black girl could be um, as reflected in her black community. Shout outs to and Philly. Huge. Shout out in in Maryland, Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. Sh- shout outs to, to everyone Absolutely. listening to Philly. this from shout Maryland, Philly, and PGK. Yeah, yeah. DC. I love Philly so much, and it's a beautiful, rich community. So uh, my my commentary is not by any means a knock on Philly. It's just um, you know I I know that my life likely would have been a lot different because my perspective would have been different had I grown up in Philly as opposed to PG County, Maryland. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, shout outs, shout outs to uh, a very special person in uh, was it Baltimore, Maryland? Who's uh, who's does somebody's mom live in Baltimore, Maryland? Are you talking about my mom who doesn't live in Baltimore, Maryland? Where where does she live? <laughs> she lives in Baltimore County. Baltimore, Baltimore County, County okay. now Baltimore City. So yes, shout shout out to Janelle Richardson. Hey girl, hey. Shout out to Janelle. And to Al Richardson who still lives in PG. Shout outs to Big Al, my guy, my yeah. favorite guy. <laughs> oh man um yeah so so that's crazy that's dc philly to new york who are you even representing like who are you are you a skins fan are you an eagles fan <laughs> what, um what have so we here? what are we know, dealing with here r.i.p the team formerly known as the washington redskins yeah. i was raised a skins fan i'll be honest i don't see myself making the transition over to a commander's <laughs> fan like it just it doesn't roll off the tongue Menders. like i don't no. I don't feel it Washington in my spirit Commanders. like that. You know, I had just gotten used to the Washington football team and I was almost okay with them. Like, you know what? This is just the new normal. The Commanders, I'm not sure I can rock with you. I think I think we might be breaking up. I'm so sorry. Um, so I, <laughs> I guess I'm like an Eagles fan, kind of, you know, sure. I, I'm a football fan, put it that way. I'm a football fan. I grew up playing football. I played football. I was the only girl on like uh, the only girl on my team, the only girl in my entire tackle football league. So like I, I love football. I, like I said, I grew, grew up bleeding burgundy and gold at one point um, when I was living in Philadelphia. You know, I used to go to Eagles games and Philly is like this very odd. Wow. It feels like a small town. It's like the biggest small town in America. So like if you you know, depending on what social circles you roll in, you end up becoming friends and, and hanging out with a lot of professional athletes. So I hung out with a bunch of Eagles in my day. So I guess I, I cheer oh, for lit. them by default now. Um, yeah, so Eagles fan uh, on the basketball side, Brooklyn Nets fan all day. Oh, okay. Yeah, Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, so I've pretty much abandoned all of my, my home <laughs> community <laughs> teams, except for the Nats. I'll, I'll cheer for the Nationals. Okay. Yeah, I, I would cheer for the Nationals. Damn good ball club. Right, right. Yeah. I hope that's true. I don't even really know that much about baseball. I just, they got good food at Nats Park. <laughs> Even though I've seen the Nationals play live, they got clapped. I'm sorry. 
see nobody asked you for that uh, nobody asked you no who needs that negativity in their life come on nobody my sample size is very small they were losing for a long time before they got as good as they are in these last two years i will say that okay well go nats now <laughs> they're good now. <laughs> go nats park concession so linking back to my earlier question i asked you what your mantra was for getting through those situations in the tech startups but mantra so mantra to, mantra mantra it's mantra tomato tomato <laughs> who cares um so on the other side of it you have a special perspective since you are on the diversity team at that company so what do you think and this isn't like you know this is a multi-layered uh issue so i'm asking for an extremely general answer here <laughs> um that these tech startups could do better in general as when it comes to you know it's a very general question Oh, dear God. I like uh, at the simplest level, like, I love it. I love it. Uh, give a shit about people, right? Like, and that sounds like very snarky, but it's actually like at the simplest level, like, that's the answer. Give a shit about people. Uh, and that's just not tech companies. That's like for most companies, right? In, you know, capitalistic uh, economy, uh, you know, care about people. Uh, first and foremost. Then secondarily for, you know, all companies, but particularly tech companies who are building, you know, not just products for today, but products for the future. Um, it's important to recognize, uh, especially in the US and North America, the shifting demographics of the country, right? So by, is it 2045, we will not have a, a, an ethnic majority in the United States of America. That means America- Well, well when? I, I think it's, uh, 20, it's is it 2045 or 2050. Dates change because the rate of both immigration and births of black and brown people That's up crazy. and to the right. I did America. not know that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shout out uh, to the future of black people. Yeah, and I might, <laughs> I might actually be overselling that date. I think it might be closer to today. Um, but what that means is that America's getting only blacker and browner, right? So if your teams, if your operations teams, your executive teams, your strategy teams, um, your communication teams, your customer support teams do not reflect the market that you serve, which if you are selling to consumers in America is increasingly black and brown and will only become more so, you're gonna be up a creek without a paddle because your company will not be culturally competent um, in its uh, ability to connect with consumers, speak to consumers, deal with consumer issues, really target like pain points for consumers and build mm. products that speak to you know your consumers' lived experience. Um, so like building diverse teams, nurturing diverse talent, um, creating space and opportunity for that talent to be heard and have um, sizable impact, like significant impact in your organization is in your best competitive interest, right? If, like, unless you just want to go, you know, out of business before 2035 or 2045, whatever, that's your business, I guess. Um, but there's, you know, aside from like in a moral and ethical kind of requisite to build inclusive teams, there is like a clear financial imperative for most businesses, um, especially consumer businesses. Yeah. 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 So um, thank you for that example. Yeah. I think that was really, um, it's really interesting. And 
thank you for that um yeah so i want to ask you like more back on a macro level you've had an incredible journey an incredible life and y'all who've been listening for a little while know why you come up here because last stop on the d is about people's journeys not just their success stories but like the hard parts too um can you tell us about one thing in that amazing long journey that you've had maybe one or two things if you'd like that were really really difficult kind of maybe you know uh, we don't want to hear about you last time you broke a nail we want to hear about you know something that may have jeopardized the rest of that career from happening i mean i just i just broke a nail before we started this interview (laughs) and like you would have thought from the way I screamed that my life was about to end. So, um, please, <laughs> please do not underestimate how painful breaking the nail is. Um, God, hardships. What's like knocked me off course, right? Um, yeah. There have been a, there's been plenty of those things, right? Um, when I left Uber, there was a potential for that there. That was difficult, right? Because this was I talked about it being um, a rocket ship kind of uh, of an organization and it being like the center of the tech universe uh, at that or consumer tech universe at that point. Uh, there was also, there, there was a strong kind of like identity um, that was built around being at the company. And that I don't think it's necessarily unique to me or unique to Uber. Like this is something we see in a lot of tech companies. Um, when you're at a rocket ship company, when you're at the hot company, when your name is attached to it, it becomes, seemingly part of people's identity like if you get on LinkedIn right now and um, type in in the search bar the term x-uber just look at how many results pop up like how many people's professional and to some degree personal identity is linked to being in that company to the point that years after they've left they, they still you know reference it in the first sentence you know of their answer to tell me about yourself or you know who are you oh i used to work at uber um so leaving that company and leaving that company with frankly like a a really sour taste in my mouth and you know not a a pleasant overall positive experience um was a big hurdle for me to get over professionally right like i had to figure out how i wanted to talk about uber when i was you know talking to new colleagues or folks i would interview with um, in the future for other roles who ask me like, oh, why'd you leave Uber? You know, <laughs> the uh, impolite but very true answer is like, it fucking sucked to work there. Um, but you can't say that um, for a multitude of reasons. It's not deemed professional, but also, um, you know, no one says that out loud. Everyone was talking about how great Uber was and what a, a treat and honor um, it was just to have the privilege of working there. And that was not my experience. Um, you can say it on last stop on the D. Yeah, I'm going to fuck it. Uh, I've said versions of that, you know, in in the years leading up to this. So, you know, they haven't sued me yet. I'm assuming they're not going to. Um, <laughs> they don't want and, that smoke. I, I don't. I'm not going to taunt them. Please don't taunt them unless you pay for my lawyer. Please <laughs> no, don't, don't want that please smoke. Don't taunt, please don't taunt them for me. Um, they will no, Joe Rogan so, my ass quick, yo. Right. Joe Rogan so, my ass quick. That, that was a big um, hurdle for me, but there have certainly been other, you know, major hurdles in my life um, and career and some that were in the life that impacted my career. You know, obviously, you know, so many people had experiences in 2020 when the world shut down um, for this pandemic that negatively affected their lives and mm. their careers. You know, I had just built my speaking business and been out on tour, you know, for the six months prior 
to, you know, what was it, March 11th, March 13th, when the world shut down. And then all of a sudden, you know, this thing that I had, you know, this business, the speaking business that I had left operating a startup to go do and worked really hard uh, and run really fast and gotten really far on pretty much fell apart in front of my eyes because live events died. And it took a while for, you know, the virtual event concept to become a thing. I had bookings, you know, out for a year that were just canceled, out of nowhere, poof, you know, my entire enterprise just kind of disintegrated in front of me. Um, And that was a major hit to try to come back from. Um, But I will say what that experience did, um, what, you know, a, a lot of reflection throughout 2020 did for me was force me to really think about what was important Right. And what I wanted to do. And, you know, actually, on that note, speaking of what's important, like when you ask this question, there's something I thought about, you know, a big hurdle that I wasn't sure I wanted to talk about. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to talk yeah. about it. And then how you came back from, you know, because so. it's, it's about, you know, the point that I'm trying to make is about honing in on what's most important. Also in 2020, after, our, you know, my business imploded, um, I lost somebody very important to me, very close to me, very special to me. I was, um, I had a partner of over a decade um, who died really unexpectedly in mm. the fall of 2020. Mm. And I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. And that, uh, as you can imagine, totally like took the wind out of my sails. It was earth shattering, like my entire, you know, fuck my career, my entire life as I knew it, just like kind of <laughs> blew up in my face. Um, and the process of coming back from that, like rebuilding after, you know, losing your person and losing um, the life that you had planned with that person forced me to be really introspective about, you know, what mattered to me anymore. I realized that, you know, as much as, you know, I come on this podcast and you open it up and talk about all the things that I've done and all the places I've seen and the accomplishments and the bullets uh, on, on a resume, I realized, you know, in my reflection, in the quiet time, in the depression and all the shit that happened, you know, after this really traumatic event, mm-hmm. that so much of that stuff didn't really matter. Yeah. Didn't really matter to me. You know, it might have mattered to someone and I'm sure it's impressive to a lot of people. I probably wouldn't be on this podcast talking about it if it weren't impressive to people, if it didn't inspire people in some um yeah some regard but for me yeah yeah i had my own reckoning where i realized so much of what had um guided me for my entire career for you know most of my life were not necessarily things that mattered to me there were things that mattered to the world there were things that are supposed to be like these universal markers for success, you know, you know, and, and we know that you, you get good grades, you get a good job, you get promotions, you become a high earner, you live in a nice home, you drive a nice car. These are all the things that are supposed to be your measures of success in this world. Mm-hmm. But none of those things stopped, you know, a pandemic from ravaging the world and killing, you know, millions of people. None of those things for me protected me from tremendous loss that, you know, completely upended my entire life. Um, so all the things that I had, the things that I did, did not insulate me from pain, did not insulate me from loss, did not insulate me from feeling lost um, in the world and in my life. Um, 
and my journey kind of back to uh, a better place, a happy place in life has been one of reevaluating everything um, and really tapping into or honing into what makes me happy, what's important to me, what I want my legacy to be, not you know what the world has dictated to me my legacy should be or what random people <laughs> on the internet, what you know, the fans, what even my mom or family might think is important and um, valuable for me to pursue. So um, that that is probably the biggest takeaway that I'll give you uh, from a hard time Damn, uh, and one that I was not expecting to talk about tonight. But there we go. Damn, that's crazy, though. I mean, after all that and then you lost somebody like Jesus. That's like the world coming crashing down on you. That's amazing that you like still like that's just amazing that you, you know, through that, you know. Yeah, I mean it was literally the world coming crashing down on me. That, yeah. I mean, that's what it was. Um yeah. But you made it out. Yeah. Um I well I I made it out. I I like to say I'm making it out. Like um yeah. when you when you go through like kind of traumatic loss and grief and stuff, there's a million books and there's a million self-help guides and there's a million things that therapists will tell you and like um life coaches will spew at you but one thing that i found that is really true is that in the case of loss and grief um you don't ever really get over it you kind of just move through it right like um you never get past loss you never get past grief you never get past these hard times but it's like the weight of them you know, the weight of them doesn't get smaller, but you grow larger, right? Like your capacity to manage, your capacity to move through, your capacity to continue on um, grows around that loss. So not not over it, not through it, but like growing around it, definitely. Damn. Well, I know the listeners are definitely going to learn something from that. And I know there's a million takeaways. I mean, not just, you know, for us right now but i mean even later i'm sure when we go back and listen to this it's gonna be crazy um can we just um take a second quick 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 just a quick shot we're just gonna do a quick tribute oh. shot for all the hard times all the good rest in peace to 2019 rest in peace to not wearing a mask on the train anymore rest in peace to um sorry for your loss rest in peace to that old career the old way we used to all work right do you have a drink do you have something you want to i wish i had something better to take a shot with but i mean there will be liquid your fucking drink i told come on a pre-production meeting get a fucking drink and we i didn't get this memo i did not get this memo it's all good it's the last stop on the d every every episode we we do like a sip of some i mean unless you're like muslim or something you can't drink but yeah take a sip of your water for me i mean that that happened once it sucked i mean because the guy was like i just smoke weed i can't drink i'm like oh come on are you kidding all right all right take a puff cheers <laughs> you know, cheers yeah cheers 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 mm. a little bit of white hennessy courtesy of the caribbean islands um oh, what you got come on got some white wine uh courtesy of italy oh wow y'all are both this is upsetting because I know that neither one of y'all really drink like that, and like I am quite the wine connoisseur, so I'm really embarrassed. About? Like, the listeners, oh, yeah. this is the first time we met. Come on, I got that. I got that good earth tea. Ooh, <laughs> iced tea, delicious. Oh, Get lit. Yo, so um, we're gonna switch gears a little bit. Thank you for sharing that with us, Ryan. Um, yo, tell me. Um, 
Well, so I have the one question game that we're going to play, but I have a question and Kamal has a question. Okay. You ready? Wait, how does the, how, tell me about the one question game. What are the rules? Um, the rules. Well, I ask you one question and you answer in one second or less. One second or less. Is that from one second from when I start speaking or one second from when you end the question? You see, I'm a stickler. One second for, like, from when you start details. speaking. <laughs> one second from when you start speaking. You ready? Okay. Got it. Martin or Fresh Prince? Fresh Prince. Okay. Easy. Good job. All right. Easy All for right. me. I know that's <laughs> controversial, right? Like, shit. Well, actually, I wish you hadn't <laughs> asked me that. Because, Lord, black people, gonna come, half of black America is going to come in my throat for that one. Come on, got a good one for you, too. Come on, there. All right. If you were a female rapper, which one would you be? Ooh. Mm. And or who mm. is your favorite female Ooh. rapper? Mm. Got him. Okay, so I'm a big fan of Meg. I love Megan Thee Stallion. Hi, Megan. Is that crush. rap or pop? All right. I, I pick rap T. If I could be a rapper, Ew. I have to just How roll, dare I have you? To just steamroll through no, all. No, <laughs> Megan the Stallion slander shall be tolerated. Megan is an M. Uh, I love Megan, and I'm I, on Megan's side, by the way. Fuck Tori. I'm gonna send you some of her. I'm gonna send you some of her freestyles after this. It's required viewing. I really oh, don't care. Yeah. I don't care to speak to you again until you have watched all of them. Okay. Freak styles? Oh man, I'd rather the written stuff. Just give me the written, yo. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no. All right, all right. I know it was one question. I was supposed to say this in one second, but I yeah. just wanted to make a point. Like, I actually, um, I like a lot of like female rappers. Like right now, I love, uh, like I said, I love Megan. Mm-hmm. She, you know, she's like my little younger role model. She's cute, right? Yeah. Um, she's cute. I think she is um, inspiring. I think that she. Um, in many ways it's like kind of like fem- this is gonna sound wild perhaps but stick with me just like black feminist goals like it's very much like this young i don't know if she's gen z or like a really really young millennial but like no yeah gen- definitely gen z like gen z black she just graduated feminist that. icon kind of energy i like a lot of her subject matter uh, like i get that it turns a lot of people off but she is like yeah. really bold and explicit and in your face yeah. and frankly talks about things that male rappers have talked about forever but flips yeah. kind of the whole gender power dynamic on its head um and i really respect that and i love cardi um as well um for many of the same reasons and also because Cardi's like a, an astute little political activist and y'all y'all be sleeping on her because she says some things that are crazy and some things that are problematic and then she will follow it up with like just this really sharp um commentary on like american politics or like foreign policy yeah Um, she does surprise me when she speaks about i think it's unexpected but i think it's really important because offensive to cardi No, I don't think it's necessarily offensive. Like we just aren't used to rappers generally, unless they're what we call like yeah. conscious rappers talking about shit yeah. other than you know diamonds and money and the right. streets and booty shaking. And I'm all for booty shaking, but I think it's really about val- was really valuable about Cardi um, is her ability to speak to people about matters when we're talking about politics, government, 
like foreign policy, um, speak to an audience that wouldn't otherwise be having that conversation about it. Um, and is actually saying like really wise sound shit. Like it's clear mm -hmm. she does her research. It's clear she's well read. It's clear that she, you know, if, um, or that she's surrounding herself with kind of like advisors and folks who are keeping her um, really abreast of not just um, current events at a high level, but like the impact, the effect of these events on the communities that she really uniquely speaks to and touches. So like, I think she's really important because she's able to talk to like young people, young people of color, hip hop heads, people in like the hip hop community in a way that like a politician never could. Yeah, right. Yeah. Cardi for president. Yeah. You know what? If Cardi wants to run for something, I would consult with her campaign. No, I'm voting for Beyonce. Beyonce for president. All right. Come on. Who's your favorite? I mean, yeah, but my favorite rapper. Um, So my favorite female rapper. Let me right now like in this moment i mess with doja cat but i also think rhapsody is like one of my favorites yeah see i can want to play the shit out of doja cat too she a pop star yeah rhapsody is probably gonna be my call my favorite oh and shout out to no name as well yeah. oh shouts out to no name um I feel I, I feel like people are gonna judge me based on my picks. Granted, I don't care about your judgment, but my picks of Cardi and Megan that I, I realize I spit out in the same breath are not like reflective of like the totality of my listening, like my female rap, mm -hmm. my listening history and who I'm really into. They just were probably the first two that came to mind. But no name's really dope. Um, so far, we're only what three months into 2021. It's March 1st, right now. It, it March is March 2nd? 1st. I don't even it's know. March 1st, I, Happy Women's History rent. Month. Happy Women's History Month. Yes, yes. exactly. Happy yes. women, you happy women. -ing. Thank God, happy women. -ing. Happy thank women. -ing. Thank you to you because I can't. Oh, thank you. I don't know how to women. -ing. Um, so where can the listeners find you? Do you have a website? Do you have an Instagram? Yeah, I do. You can find me at ryanrichardson.com. Ryan has two N's, so R-Y-A-N-N, Richardson spelled as normal. And then I'm on Instagram at the Ryan Richardson. It's lit. Come on. Where Not can we find you? Not to be confused with any other Ryan Richardson. Um, you can find me at Jack of Kamal Trades on, on Instagram. Whoop, whoop. That's a fire That's a name. Great, I was just going to say that is such a great Instagram name. Yeah, that was a great name. Shout out to the person who came up with it because it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, you can find me at last stop on the D at Instagram.com. And uh, yeah, we're on all your major platforms Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean. All of the major podcast publishers you can find. I thought us. you were actually going to name them all. I was like, I'm, okay, I this list keeps going. I know, right? You know, shout out to our sponsor, Anchor.fm. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I really hope you guys, uh, yeah, um, do me a favor and leave me a comment in my inbox last stop on the d at gmail.com if you heard this and you loved it and you want to hear more leave me a comment question or concern um yeah 
This is Young Basquiat in Brooklyn signing off. Ryan, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the pod, y'all. Paul, good to see you again. Come on. Last Dragon, Bruce Lee. Last Dragon, signing out.